0: The Portland Pilots are the 2016 West Coast Conference champions.
1: Shark! In another dimension! And it's gone! A walk-off two-run home by Tate Budnick and the Pilots win it! The Portland Pilots win their first national championship in-
0: Welcome to a special edition of Portsight Pod. We are joined once again by the UP Vice President for Athletics, Scott Lake. Scott, as always, thanks for joining us.
1: Good morning, Adam. Nice to be with you. So
0: obviously a lot going on. The Pilots have been in the news lately. And with so much information out there about the uh, Pilots basketball programs, can you kind of give us just an overview and an update about where we stand currently?
1: um good question and an evolving answer what i'll tell you um, today uh, is that we are in uh, continued dialogue uh, with our friends in the governor's office uh, about clearing um, our men's and women's basketball programs for um, full contact practices and competitions within state lines Um, i will say that we're we're very grateful that the, the governor's office continues to have dialogue with us we've had um, some recent dialogue in in the last couple of days Um, they are thoughtful they are transparent and they have a lot on their plate with a a pandemic and schools opening and unemployment and everything else they're battling for me uh, it is imperative that we advocate for our coaches and student athletes to have that same opportunity to compete that Oregon and Oregon State do. Um, and that's, I understand we're in a pandemic, but if college basketball is going to be opened up under certain circumstances, uh, we want to be part um, of that discussion. Um, I know that they've, um, they have reviewed our document. Uh, we've, we've talked um, the last couple of days and uh, we are prepared to do whatever our friends in Corvallis and Eugene are doing um, to play. Uh, in the meantime, we're continuing um, to train um, to the point we're allowed. We're working closely with our uh, medical team who is um, working through state guidelines and making sure that, that we're not um, crossing over that line. Um, but we've, you know, we've had our basketball student athletes back since July. Um, they are eager to do more, um, but we're, you know, we're, we're gonna be thoughtful on how we proceed and, and make sure that our, the advice of our medical people is, is um, first and foremost. And Adam, we wouldn't do this if we, we didn't think we could do it safely. Uh, We're prepared to test our student athletes in those two sports every day. Uh, Quarantine policy, contact policy, isolation policies. Uh, We're on point and ready to go. Just waiting for uh, an invitation to the event to start moving.
0: And so opening day, November 25th is quickly approaching. What is the plan as of right now for non-conference games? Do we have any non-conference games on the
1: schedule? We're like the other 349 Division One teams that scheduling is just a just a mess, just a flat mess. You know, even for us in state at this point, there's even some limitations on what we can do with Oregon and Oregon State, and that's that's my point of contention. We're the only state that said certain teams can play and certain can't. Uh, we're just looking for guidelines to meet and move on. Uh, but we do have some we have some games on the schedule, and you know, I know some things have been reported about us you know, barnstorming and, and traveling all over to play games. Um, we're not going to, we're not going to travel the East coast to the Midwest and we're not going to fly all over the country. That That's not safe and not we're, what we're looking to do. Um, we do have some games that were scheduled against regional opponents in neighboring states that um, instead of here, they will likely be um, on the road. Um, the other thing to consider, Adam, is our schedule is one, it's lighter than it normally was since we're starting 15 days late. Um, there were four games scratched from each schedule, so the women can only play a maximum of seven non-conference games. I'm not sure we can get to that number, but it's not a it's not a huge number. Uh, and the men are somewhere between nine and 11, depending on conference guidance. So uh, we've got some games on the schedule, uh, and literally, it is moving by the hour. Um, When we do travel, uh, it will be to neighboring states and we're looking at places where we can pair games. We're not gonna send our student athletes out on lengthy trips and spend a nine, 10 days in the hotel. That's not what this is about. Um, This is about, you know, playing games close to home, um, testing, staying safe, getting back home testing and and making sure our our student athletes are in the best position possible. And beyond non-conference,
0: the West Coast Conference recently released its schedule and it was basically business as usual. Any update there? And do you see that schedule happening as is?
1: That's a good question. And I had to pause to, to think about it. There's, there's really three options. Um, and Some of these have been reported. There's an option to go into a, a bubble as, as a conference um, together. There's an option to do a pod system where you know four or five schools would uh, meet at a conference institution and we'd all play each other. Um, The third is to play as is. Um, The play as is just just has me nervous. You know, the um, the play in San Diego on Thursday and back home on Saturday and BYU on Thursday and at Pepperdine on Saturday, it's it's a lot of jumping around with what we know now. As I mentioned in non-conference, our preference is going to be to go to a spot, play a few games and get right home, probably travel same day, come back that day. Uh, I think the days of being gone, you know, eight out of 10 days for conference basketball. That's a tougher sell for me right now. Um, I could be convinced later, but I think we've still got a lot of work to do on that.
0: And you mentioned testing earlier. How is EP's testing program going right now? And are there any plans in the future to ramp it up even more?
1: Yeah, we're, uh, what we've promised and committed to the state and what they've reviewed is uh, we will, um, we'll go above and beyond the NCAA standard for basketball. Uh, we, the only two high contact sports we have, according to the state, are men's and women's basketball. So it's different for us, right? Uh, we don't have football, we don't have lacrosse, we don't have hockey. Um, basketball are those two. So the, the standard for basketball at the national level is three days a week. We'll go, we'll go daily, because um, that's what the state's telling us to do. Um, for other sports, the way the NCA is classifying and the way the state's classifying is different. So for anything the NCAA classifies as high, Um, soccer, for instance, will test three days a week, but every sport is going to look different. Uh, What we're doing now is regular surveillance testing of all our student athletes uh, with extra testing for basketball. And we'll just continue to ramp up that basketball testing as the 25th approaches. And you
0: mentioned soccer, fall sports are another topic on the minds of a lot of people. Any updates there as far as schedules go or timeframes or NCAA championships?
1: Good question. Um, From uh, NCAA women's soccer standpoint, I'm in my second year on the selection committee. Um, Things that we're addressing is, what's that minimum number of matches you could play to qualify for the championship? Uh, We want to be able to accommodate those schools that won't play non-conference games and those that will. The reality is some schools may play 17 matches, some may play seven. Um, And and to treat uh, everyone equally, Um, Championships are scheduled for late April, early May in that gap between March Madness and Baseball and Softball College World Series. We are waiting um, for conference schedules right now, and those are being worked through. Uh, Men's soccer, for instance, uh, we may play a double round robin might be our schedule. Uh, We may just play everybody twice and, and call that a day. It's something we're talking about. Um, what we're trying to figure out is the non-conference piece. Um, specifically, Adam, is we're waiting for the Pac-12 to give us a thumb up or thumb down on whether or not they can play non-conference matches. If they can, we'll play the likely, I mean, you, you know the drill, we'll play the Ducks, the Beavers, the Huskies, and the Cougars. Um, we're testing at the level they are, and we're comfortable with that. That's That would need to be the resume we would have to put together to make the tournaments. Um, but hopefully we have some sort of answer on conference games sooner rather than later. Same for volleyball, too. And with all the the fall sports going on in the spring and the spring
0: sports still going on, UP will be bringing a lot of student-athletes back to campus for spring semester. What's the plan there? What's the protocol to bring these student-athletes back to campus? We're
1: fortunate. We have um, absolutely awesome partners in Residence Life and Bon Appetit um, to manage the the food and the move-in. Uh, we expect most of our student athletes will head for home at the at the Thanksgiving break. Um, we'll probably have some in the neighborhood that will stay around till about Christmas. We'll shut down just before Christmas, um, give our staff a break, take some time to make sure facilities are cleaned and we're ready to go. And then, early January, we'll start that ramp up for that traditional uh, February soccer season uh, that will. <laughs> Uh, we're scheduled to um, embark on. Volleyball would be the first competition, which is uh, end of January, which means they'd come in early January. Uh, One of the options we're talking about to keep them safe right now is you'd play the same team twice in one weekend. So instead of going to San Diego and going to BYU, San Diego would come here, play two matches. We would go to BYU and play two matches to kind of limit some of those exposures. Um, So the plan is to start kind of a tiered return in January that will segue through um, early February and uh, the start of the semester.
0: Another popular topic is fans at games. Do you foresee having fans at games at any point in the future?
1: Not here, Adam. Uh, I think the the first thing that, that we need to achieve and show is that we can play home games successfully um, without fans. I do hope, especially for the outdoor sports, because I think there's still a delineation on how, indoor and outdoor contests are seen. I have some hope for soccer, um, probably closer to the end. I have some hope for baseball, um, but I don't see anything before that in all candor. And speaking
0: of fans and games, I was out at, on campus yesterday and I got my first look at the new Joe Etzel Field. What an awesome facility that is. And just talk about that new uh,
1: ballpark. That gets us in the game in the WCC. I mean, we're now in, in the top half of um, facilities there. Our our friends at uh, SRG Architects and our construction partners and everyone else have done an amazing job in a um, difficult time. I think the thing that I'm happiest about is we've had Coach Etzel around. Um, We uh, had a showing for he and his family and walked them through the facility and um, some folks that he used to work with here in the department that are valuable to him. And he's, he's excited. I think we've represented the program well um, and uh, those folks that have played here are really excited about it, and I think it's, it's paved the way to do some good stuff in the future. It'll be nice to finally play some games out there. And we finished
0: with the Diversity, Equality, and Inclusion Committee that UP Athletics created in the past few months. Why is something like that important, and what kind of initiatives do you foresee them uh, undertaking?
1: communication uh, in any organization and in this athletic department is very important to me. So we first, we created a COVID committee that you're aware of that's coaches, student athletes, and staff that's gotten us to the point we are today with everything you and I talked about with testing and other pieces. Um, From a um, diversity, equity and inclusion standpoint, uh, it was time to get a group together, uh, coaches, staff, folks from across campus, student athletes. Um, and the purpose of it, more than anything else, is we need to be the leader on campus in this area, uh, unequivocally. Uh, we can do our, our thing, um, but we've got to take the lead and say, hey, University of Portland Athletics takes this very, very seriously. Uh, we want to take the lead, come with us.
0: Scott Lakeham, the Vice President for Athletics at the University of Portland. Thanks
1: again for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Adam. Maybe I'll see you in person sometime soon. That'd be nice. <laughs>